There's a monumental shift in power at work. Employees are speaking up, turnover is rising, salaries are increasing, hiring is tough, and burnout is real. It's time to unleash growth. It's time to transform your HR from powerless to powerful. Join ADP on February the 23rd. Reserve your spot now. Go to gettheplan.adp.com to register for the Work Interrupted Summit. Hello everyone, hope you're well. Um, it's about time we had an episode focused purely on coaching and this one is full of loads of great tips. I was lucky enough to talk to Nicola Callan, who is the founder of Boost HR and has spent her entire career in contact centres and shares some great practical tips on coaching and people development. Hope you enjoy it. So I'm very pleased to um, say that today we have Nicola Callan um, joining us and Nicola set up Boost HR. Uh, you've just had your one year um, birthday and you're doing, you're doing really well, which is great to see, especially in these trying times. And myself and Nicola have wanted to get together and do this for some time. So thank you for your patience and welcome to Get Out A Wrap, Nicola. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Martin. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Let's start then with um, your background leading to Boost HR and, and what it is you do, really. Yeah, thank you. So um, I guess it all it all started a long, long time ago. <laughs> once I guess upon it start, a time. <laughs> yeah, once upon a time. You're sitting comfortably. This might take a while. Um, it started probably about 20 years ago in the sense that, um, like perhaps many of your listeners, I found myself in a situation where I was sitting in my car in a car park, multi-story car park, across the road from the office that I worked in one morning and wasn't able to get out my car. I just couldn't quite summon the energy, pretense, courage, I don't know what, to kind of get myself out of the car and over to the office. And it was a really, obviously really difficult, really challenging time. I didn't really know how I'd end up in that position. Um, I eventually forced myself um, to get out and go across to the office with every intention of kind of pretending that nothing had happened and that a day's work lay ahead of me as usual, um, but didn't do that, got out the lift, um, went into the ladies and just kind of slumped against the wall in floods of tears and really so confused and not knowing why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. To kind of fast forward quite a bit, ended up kind of at the doctors, having a bit of time off work. And then when I did go back to work and I had the kind of that, that benefit of reflection, I realised that it wasn't any one thing that had caused that to happen. It was a whole culmination of, of things, factors, internal and external. It's very easy to kind of point the blame in those situations. But kind of realising that actually there's always choice. There's always another alternative and probably one that at least one that you haven't thought of yet. And I kind of bowed from that point on that I wouldn't um, allow myself to get into a position where I wasn't enjoying what I was doing in work and in other parts of my life, everything. And that's really easy to say, but less easy to do. And I guess that's a challenge in itself sometimes. Um, but kind of knowing that I've always got choice, knowing that um, if I've been in work and I haven't really been enjoying the job that I'm doing or I haven't been truly fulfilled, um, or I haven't been challenged in the work that I'm doing, or I'm not enjoying the people that I'm working with, then it's time to kind of do something different. And sometimes that might mean moving on and doing something else, or it might mean taking a different perspective. So I kind of worked through, um, through a background of, of uh, customer operations. My first role was writing letters and post, literally like printing them and posting them in envelopes and posting them out um, as a result of complaints that were received to the organisation that I worked for. The various sort of project work, I then went into um, consultancy and I worked for a, a business change consultancy for a period of time and had clients in financial services. Did process architecture, process design, process improvement, a um, bit of risk, did a bit of organisational redesign, target operating model work, um, did loads of work around engagement and restructuring. Um, and then worked with uh, oh, quality assurance and loads in quality assurance mm -hmm. as well. Um, and learning and development side of things and developing people um, and then worked with the forum who um, share best practice in the resource planning quality assurance and data analytics and insight space uh, for a number of years and then uh, recently the last 18 months or so decided to 
uh, really truly do the things that I really love to do which is people development and coaching and go for it and go on my own and see what happens and I'm delighted to say so far so good. Wow that's great and, and what a list of different skills and um, different areas within the contact centre world to, to you've got ticked on the list just on that um, that kind of like seismic event that that you know even though it was traumatic I guess it was an it was an epiphany does that manifest itself now in how you um can help other people because I, I if I think back to my career I kind of bimbled along from one thing or another and then life circumstances having children young um you 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 I can remember being in certain roles and thinking, yeah, this isn't great, but what can I do? Um, and just from a kind of mentoring or coaching perspective, helping people understand that thing you rec you referenced there about choice mm -hmm. really, really resonates because sometimes I don't, I, I, even though I had children young, I don't think I properly matured until I was about 30. So having maybe having had someone to say hey if you don't like what you're doing you don't have to just stick at it and it's, you don't just have one path where you go okay soon you'll be a team leader and then you can do this and then you can do this to have somebody that says hey if you're not if you've reached a point where the stress of work you know that it's kind of like you talk about it wasn't one thing it's just like a death by a thousand cuts right mm. um that that it, it you don't have to live like that does that pervade itself now in the kind of stuff that you when you talk to people it absolutely does yeah um and, and especially in the coaching work that i do and the mentoring work that i do but actually just generally um you know in any kind of interaction any kind of conversation with people you know i, I often find that when i'm talking to people about whatever it is whether it's a, a work-related matter or personal matter they'll, they'll kind of sum up and say well i guess the options are i can either do this or i can do this um, and I'll generally go back and say, there'll be at least one other option that you haven't thought of yet. What could that be? Mm. And the other thing about choice as well is that sometimes the choices, you might have multiple choices, but actually none of them at that moment in time are that favourable. And that's just about taking that conscious effort and that conscious choice and saying, OK, so I might not be enjoying the job that I'm doing right now, but it pays well. It's getting me through this part of my mortgage, my children's education, my lifestyle the next holiday we're going on whatever that might be so therefore i am choosing to stay in this role because what's more important to me right now is stability in an mm. uncertain environment over um purposefulness and fulfillment in work and that's okay you know no one's going to judge or no one should judge you on that that's your choice you've made that decision but keep going back and reevaluating that choice and kind of going okay so that was really important to me at that point we're six months down the line now what are my priorities now what's changed what's the same and what choices do i now have available to me and which ones am i choosing to go with and i guess you bring that to bear in something you're passionate about which is coaching and people development in in contact centers can i guess now more than ever um with us all being remote or returning back some of us or we'll end up 50 50 coaching and personal development is probably even more important than than ever before mm. it really is um and, and i would kind of refine that even further and say self-awareness and coaching are probably mm. the two really key areas so self-awareness i think um there's been a, a huge um awakening of people um, around the whole idea of remote working so i talked um, i'm working with a number of contact centers at the moment and i talk to people team leaders and, and others um, frontline uh, operatives who are saying you know i never thought it was possible that i could work from home and now it is i never thought that i wanted to work from home but actually now i'm at home i'm quite enjoying it um, or I always thought um, that I would love it, but actually I don't have the setup to be able to do this. And it's causing me a lot of stress and anxiety with family life at home. Um, so there's lots of people kind of going through this, um, this change almost that at the beginning of lockdown, it was kind of all hands to the pump and, you know, we're all in this together. And, you know, it's okay that I'm working on a tea tray balanced on my yeah, knee with a laptop on top. On yeah yeah exactly and i'm hearing some 
some really um, heartbreaking stories, um, of, as I'm sure you are as well, Martin, with the people that you're talking to, that just haven't got that set up. Um, and, you know, people who are working from their bedrooms, literally on their beds, um, because mummy's going off to work now, mm. and then daddy's staying downstairs with the children, perhaps. Mm. Mummy's working all day, doesn't come out because she doesn't want to let small child know that she's actually in the house and she's upstairs. Yeah. Um, and then does come out at the end of the day, has something to eat, and then goes back to the bedroom again to go to sleep and then repeats all over again. Mm. And kind of spending, I don't know, 16, 18 hours a day in one room, whatever that mm. room is, really mm. isn't great for, for anyone's mental health and well-being. Um, but having some self-awareness around kind of how well you can work in the environment that you're in is really helpful and you know i don't necessarily want to go down a well-being track particularly here and, and these are things that have long been said before but things like fresh air open spaces change of scenery and um, videos on when you're having video conferencing rather than just telephones and um, going now we can kind of go out to coffee mm. shops and things and parks and whatnot then you know, there's an opportunity to do those sorts of things as well so there's definitely something around self-awareness and working out how you perform well in the environment that you're in and then from a leadership perspective and a peer-to-peer -peer perspective as well coaching you know now more than ever absolutely is such an empowering and powerful intervention that really helps people to help themselves and what maybe let's take it right to basics what for you does coaching mean Mm, yeah, it's a really good question because I often, you know, when I go into organisations and they'll, they'll bring me in to help them embed a coaching culture, for example, or a coaching approach. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we do coaching and we've already got this sort of set up. We kind of look at it and it's often not coaching, it's often feedback mm. or training or mentoring or performance management or anything other than coaching. So for, for me, coaching um, is very much about non-directive interaction. And if anyone wants to kind of look at this a little bit further, then I'd recommend Miles Downey's coaching continuum. And um, that's a really great way to kind of um, separate these things. So on the directive end, if you kind of imagine a diagonal line pointing um, top right, at the bottom left, you've got this sort of directive, which is uh, telling, instructing, informing, uh, all those sorts of things. Now they're really important and valuable, but they're not coaching. And then further up the continuum you go, you've then got things like um, guiding, giving advice, um, sharing information, and that also is really good and really valuable, but it's not coaching. Um, and then you go right up to the top end, which is the non-directive, which is exploring, questioning, listening, rephrase, uh, paraphrasing, um, recapping, all of those sorts of things. Now that's in the coaching space. So that's really non-directive. And what I always say to people that as a coach, I don't need to have the first idea of whatever it is that you want to be coached on. All I need to do is to be able to ask really good questions and listen really carefully to those answers. Do you see um, if there's two people in this coaching situation, the coach and the coachee, does it depend on where both of them are as to which, where on that graph they kind of land? So if I'm an inexperienced coach or um, dependent on my environment or anything like that, I might go more instructive or I could be an experienced, what I'm saying is as an experienced coach, should I always be looking for the, op is that the optimum? Non You're coaching, yes. Yeah, I, I believe that to be true. Now, now, when I have coaching clients, sometimes they come to me because they also want a bit of mentoring. So if I go back to the continuum that I've just described, that telling and instructing and directing that we talked about at the bottom left, that's that's training. That's mm. you know, there's there's yeah. no point coaching someone out of a burning building, and there's no point coaching <laughs> someone when they haven't got a clue what it is they do they're doing. Yeah. So if you've got a new team member or someone who's new to a particular process, kind of sitting them down and going, so how do you think we should do this then? You know, is yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me you've been doing it for the last 15 years all right okay so training absolutely has its place really really important mentoring absolutely has its place as well and that's that giving advice guidance sharing experiences and things and then the true coaching the pure coaching is the non-directive stuff so when i have um personal one-to-one -one clients um then quite often they'll come to me because they want an element of mentoring as well 
so what I tend to do in my coaching sessions is if we're exploring something and you know they're they're bringing something that they want to work through as, as a coachee um, you know they might say to me what have you done in this situation or have you faced something similar like this and what I might say to them then is okay right, we're switching to mentoring now and I might share something that I have done or that I've seen others do that has been useful and helpful in a particular situation and then I'll kind of say right okay mentoring over back to coaching again now that you've heard that what are you thinking how does that make you feel um, what do you think you might want to do next what's helpful about that what's not helpful about that those sorts of coaching questions that leave it completely open for that individual to then come back and and consider what's the best next step for them and those kind of open questions you have to have confidence i guess that that those could kind of go anywhere mm. and if you're that's the beauty if, of it <laughs> <laughs> But how do you, what, what do you say to people around how that that's okay? Because I guess some people like structure. So to your point around when you go into organizations and ask and they say, yeah, we've got coaching and it's often, look, here's our form. Here's, mm. here's a form, here's a structure. What, is that okay? What, what's your opinion on how, pe how companies can kind of still allow that freedom of a, of a session? but maybe want some kind of structure? So I'm a big believer in as long as everyone is working towards achieving the outcome that's intended, how you go about doing it is entirely up to you. So I'm not really one for prescribing mm. pro formas or, or not to use forms, you know, either way, as long as, long as everyone's clear on what the outcome is that we're trying to achieve. So I'm going into a coaching relationship. Um, so thinking about some sort of senior leaders that I was coaching last year, um, we spend the first session really talking about, okay, so if we've got six sessions together and we're investing in this, both in terms of time and, and money um, and personal commitment, what does good look like for you by the end of this? What do you want to be able to do or be that you maybe feel that you're not able to do or be right now? And, and how are we going to uh, look to achieve those outcomes over this period of time? And that's partly up to me as a coach to bring my skills, my, my tool bag, if you will, um, to those sessions. And that might just be asking questions. It might be using particular methodologies or tools that I have and frameworks that I have. But it's also down to the coachee to really commit to that and go, actually, ultimately, I want to get to this point. And then we work together to achieve that so if we're kind of talking about um, coaching in a in a contact center environment as, as a specific example you know if there is some quality assurance activity taking place and some voice of customer and some CSAT and NPS and all these sort of data sets that are coming together and then I'm sitting down with um, uh, an advisor and kind of saying right okay um, you know this is this is the data set that we that we have for you for this period of time what's that telling you what does that look like for you how how happy are you how comfortable are you with those results what does good look like for you and really working on a framework um, a feedback framework of what worked well and even better if so always looking at what the positives are and how they can be even better because we do as humans we are brilliant at working on our strengths and we get better and better the more we work on our strengths and then we feel more fulfilled when we work at our strengths so if we continue to tell people that they need to be working on the things that they're not good at then they're or you know they're not great at they're just going to be not great at them whereas if we talk to people about things that they're they're good at they can become really good at those things and really great at those things and that's a far better outcome if that then in turn serves the customer and the overall performance of the contact center than kind of you know saying oh well you know you still didn't wrap up quickly enough or you didn't type as fast as you should have done while you were doing yeah. after work or whatever it might be and if you so if you is that first step for you then making that distinction but just a definition of what is coaching um and helping people understand well this this is actually training this is mm. feedback what coaching is is this then how do you go about putting in something that's sustainable i think one of the things i can remember it wasn't actually that long ago but i'm hoping that we're in a bit more of a enlightened time where coaching is important but we I was lucky enough to be doing some judging at a great site um, and they gave a great presentation about how important coaching was to their culture and how much they delivered and how much people benefited from it and there were some good results. Then we got the um, 
then we got access to advisors and just in conversation asked them what your coaching sounds great what does that look like for you guys and they said we haven't had any coaching for six months because we're understaffed and it the every, you know when in hitting service levels everything is thrown out of the hot air balloon coaching and QA and, and things like that um <laughs> and that is it was just kind of so disappointing that something yeah. so fundamental is seen as or was seen at that point by this one place where it just what okay we don't we can't do coaching anymore and that had yeah. been that had gone on for six months what's your experience of what is the kind of lie of the land out there at the moment yeah so um i think i think that's really fair and there's added to you know kind of the current situation there's um there's also the added complexity that some people whether it's team leaders or um advisors just don't feel that comfortable having certain conversations remotely as well which i guess we, we can maybe come on to in a moment mm. um but in terms of sustainability um you know when i when i work with organizations to help embed a coaching approach um, it's very much about looking at coaching as a single intervention and looking at coaching as an approach through other existing interventions. So coaching doesn't need to be a 90 minute session every six weeks in a room somewhere on a one to one basis. Coaching can be as powerful sometimes as a five minute conversation mm. at the side of someone's desk or on the way to the water cooler if you're back yeah. in the office or whatever it might be. Yeah. So it's about building that coaching approach where it's appropriate, because as we said, we don't want to coach someone out of a burning building. But, you know, where where can we build those in? So if that's in a performance one to one, how can we just throw in a couple of coaching questions in that if it's in a, a point where we're giving some feedback around um, a service or a complaint or something how can we just build in a coaching conversation and some time for reflection around that and weaving those things in makes it or helps to make it part of the way things that the way that we do things around here and when we get to that this is the way that we talk to each other this is the way that we engage with each other then that then is embedded and it's part of the culture and it's part of the approach and, and how we do things yeah that's great we kind of um i d definitely don't want to talk about um the sales pitch here for our company but um we noticed if you can give people the ability to quickly record a, an informal coaching session you get a better picture certainly from a manager or team leader point of view because we, we would come across people that say we don't get time to do coaching and then when you do some observation what they're doing is lots of informal coaching. Yeah. Like you say, quick five minute interventions that are coaching. They're in the coaching sphere. They just don't get recorded. If you give people the ability to record them quickly, then they're able to say, Oh, actually look what I did last month. Mm. And that kind of just helps get a better view of what your managers and team leaders are, are doing. You mentioned something there though about, um, doing this now remotely what what have you seen and what can you share about the challenges potential benefits of of doing all of this remotely now yeah so um there, there's definitely some some reluctance that i'm noticing amongst the organizations that i'm speaking to to really kind of go deep in coaching conversations and i think that's as a result of um in part the person feeling like they're not actually there for that individual so that if there is some kind of reaction to what's um, going on it's very easy just to click end call and walk away and there isn't that kind of you know follow-up and because one of the things that's so important with coaching in any state is always to make sure that the person is in a safe space by the end of the session um, and if it's uh, personal professional development coaching then you, know, you can go quite deep with things it's really important to make sure that they do feel comfortable and safe by the end of it. So there, there is kind of a reluctance, I think, around some of that. Um, and I'm also talking to organisations as well that don't have video conferencing, so they are just coaching over the telephone. Um, and I do appreciate that is really, really difficult. So as, as a professional coach, um, as a, a qualified coach, I've been coaching remotely for, for years um, and, and feel quite comfortable doing that. But actually, I, 
I kind of would almost draw the line at it being a telephone coaching session, really. And, and you kind of, you do want to be able to see the other person. You want mm. to be able to see their reactions. You want to be able to um, comment on things that might distract them temporarily to bring them back to um, the, the topic again in a few minutes. You know, there's, there's loads of different things that you can do, reading body language and all the rest of it that you would do um, ordinarily. So there are some challenges there, but that's not to say that they are so difficult that we shouldn't be doing coaching remotely because we absolutely should now more than ever it's so important and one of the reasons and um if you've heard me speak on other webinars recently then you might have heard me kind of say this before but it's something that is really important to me is you know when we when we think about helping people so um if someone comes to you uh whether it's a colleague or one of your team as a team leader and they tell you about a situation that they're facing perhaps related to lockdown covid perhaps not perhaps something else entirely as humans we have this an innate desire to want to help people when they are feeling down, feeling low, facing adversity of some description. We want to do that. And that's evident. If you look on LinkedIn, all the people that are posting about um, facing redundancy at the moment, mm-hmm. um, you know, and kind of asking for help and people kind of going, yeah, I'll share, I'll comment, I'll like this for you, I'll, you know, put you in touch with this person. People want to help. You know, we really, really do want to do that. But what actually happens when when we do that, when we help, is that usually we then take that problem on ourselves and feel that we have a responsibility, and actually we quite like that feeling often, um, to help fix that for the other person. So Martin, if you came to me and said, Nick, I've got this problem, um, and I said, right, okay, let me help you. What can I do to help? I'm effectively disempowering you Mm. and saying that you don't have the skills, the mindset, the ability to be able to fix that for yourself and you need someone else to step in and do that. And that is really disempowering um, because I'm basically taking all that away from you and saying, you know, and and you've already got this problem and now you're thinking, and I've got this problem and I don't even have the capability to be able to fix it myself. Whereas as a coach, if we can then kind of turn that around and say, what do you need? I haven't really woken up until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Who can help you? How can that be helped? What do you need to do to help yourself in this situation? That's then coming back on you. And the results then are likely to be more sustainable because you're owning that solution. Um, you're likely to be more in control of that because, again, you're owning that. And you still know that you've got the support of a network around you to be able to lean on when you need it. But you're the one in the driving seat. You're not abstaining that responsibility. And that's really, really important, I think, in these times that we have uh, we surround ourselves with good people who are there to help us to help ourselves, not necessarily to take baggage away from us. We're already carrying our own rucksack of our own yeah. baggage. We don't want to be taking a whole airport, you know, trolley full of luggage behind us as well as we go. <laughs> well, that's a really, really interesting point because um, what's your advice for then? I, I think we've all been in situations where I, I, I really, really connect with your point there about wanting to help people. And that's a fascinating point about I've never thought of it before about disempowering the person that you're trying to help in inverted commas. What about the, you, you mentioned there, the impact of, I've certainly felt it earlier on in my career, the exhaustion that you get from, especially when you're managing a large number of people, being there to try and solutionize for everyone, that has a real detrimental impact on, on yourself. And it's like a sponge, you know, at some point you're just completely laden and you need to be wrung out. What? What what kind of advice, how would you approach that? What's your views on that? Yeah, and, you know, if anyone is listening to this and feeling that way, please know that um, that is all really well-intentioned. You're doing, that's all coming from a really good place. So where you are helping people in that way and maybe taking on quite a lot of that responsibility yourself, um, that, you know, doesn't make you a bad person. It's coming from a really, really good place that you're doing that. Um, but there are ways that you can help others and also protect yourself from being so absorbed 
in those issues and challenges, let alone whatever you've got going on in, in your world as well. Um, and there's, there's kind of this um, theme of dependency. So um, uh, I've been doing quite a bit of soul searching myself over the last 18 months or so when I was setting up the business. Um, and, and the business is built around things like um, everyone has the opportunity to do work that they enjoy and that fulfills them. Everyone has choice. And that um, dependency um, is not something that I ever want my clients to feel with me. I don't want my clients to ever be dependent upon me. I want people to want to work with me, not need to work with me. And if you think about that in a team leader capacity, you know, you want your teams to feel that they can come to you when they have got challenges and they have got things going on, but not that they are dependent upon you. If they are becoming dependent upon you, I would encourage you just to reflect on the um, health of that relationship um, because that should be that people are coming to you through choice because they feel that you can help them to help themselves rather than coming to you because you're a fixer. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. rather than just going, here you go. Yeah, hospital pass, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great, great phrase. I love that one. Um, what about this kind of... the the some of the things we've seen from a virtual point of view is it's brought into play really getting to know individuals out, outside of let's you know just work being this siloed area because even in just helping people get set up virtually you find out about how they travel to work and what that means to them what their home setup is like and maybe their house sharing and everyone's now trying to work virtually and they're all trying to grab the kitchen table and <clears throat> all of the security implications and all this kind of stuff as a as a leader of people at any level all of a sudden there's a very obvious visual often dynamic to take on board and to kind of be mindful of how um for, for me that feels like a, a positive as long as you're able to deal with it how would you for people out there that are listening who want to develop as coaches specifically for this current time but also on ongoing you mentioned qualifications earlier would what would be your suggestion for people wanting to get better and how do to what extent do you go into the personal element of where people are in that coaching situation Gosh, lots of questions in there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's quite all right. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start with, with boundaries and lead into contracting. And I'm saying that out loud so that I remember to, to do that. Um, so, so boundaries. So um, when I was working in corporate land, corporate world, um, I was the sort of person that I, I didn't really kind of invite work colleagues to my home. Um, you know, my, my work yeah. stuff was quite separate to my home stuff. And now every time I'm on a video call, everyone can see, well, yeah. I know it's a podcast, but Martin, you can see yeah. um, my office. You can see the yeah. setup that I'm in. So you're getting a glimpse and, and you're making judgments and, uh, you know, and everyone does. So you're kind of looking at my decor, my artwork, the size of the room that I'm in, um, all of those sorts of things. And you're kind of drawing conclusions subconsciously and consciously and, and bringing that information together. So I would say for people who are working from home um, and maybe if they are typically quite a private person is to set boundaries. So be really clear about how much, you know, you kind of want to be on show and, you know, you can buy sort of screens and things. You can use your Zoom backgrounds, of course, you know, to kind of disguise all of that. If you didn't want to do it, you can buy screens and things that just go behind you, all those sorts of things. And, and just be really clear with yourself what those boundaries are and how you're going to keep to those boundaries, first of all. In terms of um, how much you kind of infiltrate into um, the person or the personal side of things rather than the professional side of things, um, that's very much covered in the contracting stage at the beginning of any kind of relationship. Um, now, the, the general view with coaching is that coaching is whole person centred. So um, it's very difficult to just work with a work situation for example, without necessarily bringing some elements of me as a person, my preferences, my traits, my characteristics, my beliefs, my prejudices, all those things mm. are going to start to form into that. 
So, um, so there is always an element of that seeping in, but what you can do um, when you set up any kind of coaching relationship, whether that's one-to-one -one or as a, as a group, as a center, um, is, to, is to look at contracting or, or perhaps a, a softer way of saying that would be the coaching agreement. So in that coaching agreement, you might talk about how frequently you're going to have those sessions and who's going to be coaching who, um, uh, kind of where they're going to take place, um, cancellation, all those sorts of you know, technical mm. bits, I suppose, yeah. and functional bits. But then also talking about, okay, so, um, you know, if I'm encroaching and, as a coach and you're not comfortable with that, then you will raise that with me. Um, you know, if you want to contribute more around your personal life, then you will say that you want to do that and, and we'll explore that a little bit more. The relationship has got to be built on trust. And that can be um, really quite difficult when you're meeting people for the first time and you're trying yeah. to build that rapport and that relationship. But again, um, coaching skills you know, help you to do that. Um, but ultimately, the trust has got to be there. And if the trust isn't there or the chemistry isn't there, then there's no harm in kind of saying, all right, actually, I'm going to try working with a different person for a while. You know, I, I would always start any relationship with a, a sort of getting to know you session. And if by the end of that, there's a, a no blame, no fault. OK, that's fine. It just didn't work out. We just don't want to work together. I can recommend other people for you or you can go and find someone else for yourself. And that, that can be a, a really good thing to notice that early on. And that kind of comes back to the self-awareness piece that we spoke about earlier as well. Knowing kind of how you perform at your best and how to get the best out of yourself. And that kind of, I know I kind of fired about a thousand questions at you once, but um, that kind of, that that last point there prompts the, um, uh, how do I be a better coach? What kind of advice would you give people? Um, I was speaking to someone the other day, um, it wasn't about coaching, but they actually felt, you know, because I'd say there's there's loads of research you can do, there's loads of areas you could go and look to get better at this particular subject you could do loads of desk research yourself and there they had a really nice kind of um correct comment back which is there is so much out there i don't know where to start or, or what's good mm. uh, you know for, from if we're talking about coaching and wanting to be a better coach what would you recommend other than getting in touch with yourself of course <laughs> <laughs> um what how what would you you know i guess it depends on the level as well doesn't it if we're if it's a contact center leader they might look they might want to look somewhere else but if we're talking at we're aiming this at managers or team leaders and they want to be better coaches where what would what would be your suggestion to do to get there yeah, so it's a, it's a really great question. And um, kind of on, on my on the spot response would be practice and reflect. So practice, um, you know, you can read all the books that you want to about coaching, you can read all the different articles, research papers, models, everything else, but until you're actually in those situations, where someone comes back with something that you think, oh, I wasn't expecting that, or where do I go from here, or my mind's gone blank, I can't think what question to ask next, until you've kind of experienced all of that. Um, you know, it's, it's got to come from that practice. So try to get as many coaching hours in as you can. Um, and when you do qualifications, uh, you will be required to whatever level you do to do a certain number of coaching hours. Um, and that's because it brings up the things that you might just not be prepared for and that you might need to handle. The other point about that then is reflecting. So before going into a coaching session, think about what you want to get out of that coaching session. So you might be going into it um, and it's obviously it's about the other person, it's about the coachee and it's kind of, you know, them achieving their goals. So what you might go into on a particular session is think about it today. I'm going to really get them to be so clear about what they want to get out of the session. I'm really going to work on my goal setting techniques. Um, and you might do that or you might go in and say, right, um, I noticed last time that I was asking multiple questions in one go. So as a coach, it's, it's often better, not always, often better to ask one question rather than two or three. Um, so you might want to practice on that. You might want to practice not asking closed questions. You might want to practice pace, rapport, whatever it might be. So practice on those things and then reflect at the end what went well, what could be even better. Keep it nice and positive. You know, what went well, what could be even better? What worked well, what could be even better? And keep going over that and bring that into your next cycle. The other thing to mention um, and uh, is that I also, aside from everything else that I do, um, as a volunteer, I run the Association for Coaching 
North Yorkshire group, which meets in Harrogate, although we're virtual at the moment. And there are network groups across the, well, internationally as well, but across the UK um, for people who are qualified coaches. And in many cases, those who are just coaching in organisations and, and looking to kind of develop their coaching skills. And they're brilliant sessions. They meet monthly. For our particular one, we tend to have it where we have a speaker for up to an hour first. Um, so the one that we did this month was um, mental health in coaching. Um, so we have some, someone leads the session and then we have a break and then we go into co-coaching groups. So this idea of having triads and you can set this up, you don't need to go to an association of coaching session for this. Find two other people who are also coaching and meet regularly, whatever that frequency should be. And in those triad sessions, you can have the opportunity to practice your coaching. So one person will be a coach, one will be a coachee and one will be an observer. And you agree amount of time that you're going to spend coaching somebody and you set the boundaries around that. And um, you ask the person who is observing, I'd really like you to notice if I'm asking closed questions on this particular session. And you go ahead and you get that feedback and it's a really safe space. So if you're kind of coaching somebody and it's not quite going to plan, you can go, actually, I'm going to stop there and I'm just going to rewind a bit. And I'm going to go and do a bit like editing a Zoom call or something. You just kind of go, All right, I'm going to stop there and rewind a bit. And I'm going to try that again because it's a really safe space to do that. And there are other activities that you can do in triads as well. So practicing and reflecting and getting a little group of, of other people who are also coaching and, and doing that activity together can be really, really helpful. Those are great tips. Thank you so much. They're great. Um, what about qualifications? Are there different, are there different ones out there? Um, what would yep. you recommend or how would you choose? Yeah, so um, there are different qualifications and also different accreditations out there as well. Um, the qualifications, um, I, I personally am ILM qualified. Um, so, uh, and the way that that works actually is all dependent upon the level of the person or people that you're coaching. So for people who are maybe team leaders or quality advisors who are giving feedback and then coaching on the back of that and coaching frontline or similar level people, the level three in effective coaching is the appropriate level um, of qualification for that. Um, if you are coaching managers and people who have people uh, leaders underneath them, then that would be a level five and that would be coaching and mentoring. And then if you are coaching exec level C-suite, uh, then that will be level seven. Um, and with each of those qualifications, you can opt for two different types of qualifications. So you can do the, the shorter version or the slightly longer version. So either get an award or get a certificate. Um, so the learning is usually the same. It's the assessments. You don't need to do quite as many coaching hours. So I was talking about coaching hours earlier um, for an award as you do for a certificate. Um, and there are plenty of providers out there, myself included, who can who can offer that. Um, so that's that's the ILM, and that's and it's just worth googling and looking mm. around and seeing who's perhaps local to you if that's important to you, credibility, all those sorts of things. Um, and I'm happy to offer some impartial advice around that as well. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Um, at the outset, you said um, coaching and people development were things you're passionate about and wanted mm. to talk about. We also talked at the outset around terminology and is there a distinction then between coaching and people development or are they the same? Uh, that's a great question. So when I talk about people development, I'm kind of talking more about the more traditional uh, classroom or indeed remote training um, that might take place. And I focus very much on the core skills side of things. So I look at things like influencing skills, stakeholder management, strategic thinking, coaching skills, feedback skills. Um, personality profiling, social styles, all those sorts of stuff, all sorts of things. Um, and I'm also MBTI, Myers-Briggs qualified as well. Um, so it's those sorts of things around teams and individuals and self-awareness. Um, I, I think there is, uh, as I've said before, there is a place for learning new stuff and learning new skills. And then the coaching comes on the back of that to help embed those skills. And when you're actually out the classroom, when you've completed your learning, how often do we find actually that we go on a training course and then three weeks later, we're not actually using the skills that yeah. we picked up. We might have done straight away, but not long after that. And that's where the embedding needs to take place. And that's where coaching can really help. Um, and the organizations that I work with, um, 
um, you know, quite often have done coaching skills training with their team leaders before, um, but they haven't done that follow up that's really allowed it to be embedded. Um, and that's where people like myself will, will go in and, and help them to really embed that and, and integrate it into the work that they do. In, in the contact centre industry, in your experience, is there any, is, what are the areas or are there any areas where you felt, I wish we put more importance on this, or I wish we gave our advisors or team leaders this skill and we don't, you know, if we, I think we have evolved massively as an industry in terms of we, you know, if we don't just take people into induction, tell them how to use our systems, give them a brief history of the company and then say, right, on you go. Um, but there's there's so still so much more that could be can be done. Is there if you had a magic wand, <laughs> you could just instantly make our industry better? What would the what would the spell be? What would it? What would the area be that you'd say we're better at this? That's a brilliant question. I love that question. I might steal that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as you were talking, I, I was thinking about my my uh, recent experience over the last year or so with, with organisations I'm working with. And I think it's about um, focusing too much on the detail of how things are done and not focusing enough on outcomes that is part of the problem. So if the magic wand could be waved, I would wave it so that people have more self-awareness, which I have talked about already in this session, um, about how they perform and what impact they have on other people um, and have the skills and support to be able to do that so that they are outcome focused. So they're not looking at, I'm doing this step, then this step, then this step in a process, that actually I'm looking to achieve this outcome of delighting this customer on this occasion over the situation, or where we're in industries where we can't delight customers because actually we're having to deliver news that isn't welcome to them, that we're doing that in a way that is understood, clear, transparent, um, and that they go away knowing their situation, understanding more than they did before. So whatever that outcome is, is to be more outcome focused and less procedural focused. Procedures have to be there, don't get me wrong, if we can start to shift that attention of advisors from not necessarily following step ABC but trying to get to the outcome overall and understanding their impact on the customer yeah. that would be brilliant yeah that would be great wouldn't it and I guess that's where coaching comes in because coaching people to because in the same way you say about once you come out of training you're you will put those skills to bear when you've you might have started your shift thinking about the outcome and how you've re and how you've delivered it for the impact of the customer when you're at the end of your shift and you've had a hundred odd calls it's not probably going to be as prevalent mm. so that and, and then if you extrapolate that up to across the whole organization that's where I guess you'd say coaching comes in to ensure that it's front and center of people's minds Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with a little bit of self-coaching from time to time as well. You know, start a period of time, whether it's a shift, a week, whatever, with what does good look like for me by the end of this time? And what am I going to do to get there? And just keep, keep jotting ideas down and notes down as you go and reflect. So, We're not so, great at reflecting. <laughs> well, and also it comes into that self-awareness thing that you've mentioned a, a couple of times. And mm. um, just by chance, really, I picked up a book in, a, in an airport about two years ago, um, Insight by Tasha Urich, and it's all, it's all about self-awareness and how self-awareness is a, is a superpower. Mm. What steps would you, for people listening, who might want to take that step into self-awareness, what does that mean? I think we all know conceptually what it means, but what does it mean what would you what practical steps can people take to unlock that brilliant so there's there's loads of tools out there loads of um sort of diagnostic type metrics and things that you can partake in some are free some um have a cost to them there's loads of books that you can read there's loads of things that you can take from that um i would recommend um a little tool jahari's window first of all um if anyone isn't familiar with that that's a great little tool uh, look it up google it um, and that is all around understanding how you see yourself, how others see you, um, and it also has uh, blind spots and things in there as well. Um, so definitely worth having a look at that. And then asking other people, be brave um, and be specific. So whenever you're asking for feedback from anybody ever or asking for help from anybody ever, 
please don't ever say to them, could I just have some feedback from you? Or could you give me some feedback on, on this, please? Because that is going to give you a really vague, um, non-specific set of data at the end of it. Asking people, um, you know, what, what do you come to me for? What am I your go-to person for? That will help to identify what your strengths are. Um, if I wasn't here, what would you miss about me? If I moved on to a different role, what wouldn't happen? Um, what do you say to other people about me when I'm not around? Those sorts of wow. things get really, really, yeah, brave, huh? <laughs> so get really, really specific about that, okay? Um, and and build on this, what went well, even better. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but hopefully this message is getting across. Yeah. Because if we kind of say, tell me what I do well and tell me how I can be even better. So job interview feedback is a great one. You know, if you don't, if you go for an interview, you don't get the job and you, you ask for some feedback, ask specifically what three things could I do in my next interview that would improve my performance? Really, really specific stuff because that's going to help you move on to your next job interview, whatever it might be. Just be really, really specific with your questions that you're asking. So when you're asking other people for that, um, then then be specific and then work with that and ask people that you trust and respect. Feedback from people that you don't trust and respect is worthless because you're not going to do anything with it and you're just going to feel bitter about it. So people that you trust and respect and build slowly on the things. You're not going to have uh, 20 things that come back to you and you're going to do all 20. So pick one or two things. And actually, if I may, Martin, um, I do have a free stuff section on my website yeah. where people can download action plans and toolkits and things. You don't need to put an email address in, don't put your name, anything like that. So if you go to boosthr.co.uk and go to free stuff, there's some different tools and things you can use for that too. I definitely recommend people doing that. I mean, even just in this um, this podcast, I, so I, I edit sometimes. I don't need, don't necessarily need to. I don't always listen back to podcasts. I don't I, much the same as everyone. I think you don't like listening to your own voice. I'm definitely going to listen back to this one because you shared so many tips, helpful tips, and I think that's um, that's brilliant. So would definitely, I'd like to um, get you back on. There's some other things that we can talk about in another um, another episode, I guess, of this, if you're okay with that. That'd be super. Uh, thank you. But Nicola, it, maybe. Just to end, for people, if you, you can share one bit of advice for people so that they don't need to get to the point where you did right at the start where they can't get out the um, the car, what would that be in terms of getting the career that you that is fulfilling and you enjoy? What's the one bit of advice you would give? Wow, another big question. Um, okay, so I I would say you don't need to worry about knowing what you want to be when you grow up. I haven't got a clue what I want to be when I grow up. I've never have done. Go with your, your gut and your heart. When you do work that you enjoy, and it doesn't matter what that work is, as long as you enjoy it and it fulfills you, keep finding those things in the work that you do and you will continue to be fulfilled and you will continue to progress if that's what you want. So learn about yourself and what motivates you. Keep that moral compass aligned. Keep that North Star of wherever it is you want to go. Um, and that will keep you on, on a path that is healthy and helpful for your career. Nicola, that's brilliant. Nicola Callan of Boost HR, thanks very much for coming on. It's been um, enlightening. Thank you very much, Martin. My pleasure. Thanks. Take care. Well, that's it for episode 33 sure you'll agree it's a good one uh, Nicola really knows her stuff please do get in touch with her if you want to know more um, have another episode coming up next week and look forward to sharing that with you then take care everyone bye bye yay